0: Thanks for listening to The
1: Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe.
0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's episode number 237 now of the Ron and Don Show.
1: What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, don't
0: forget, you want to get in touch with us. There's
1: a couple different ways you can do it. Yeah, the easiest one is to go to ronandonsitdown.com. Check out our real estate business. Uh, if you're a buyer or a seller, we got a playbook for you. Or you can just email me directly, ron at windermere.com. We can set that up. We'd love to be a part of your real estate journey in a historically hot market right now.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, coming up with the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about Israel. And the fact, well, over the last 90 days, they've been able to put more shots in arms than any other country in the world. But now they've run into a problem. And will we run into that problem here in the U.S. when it comes to herd immunity? We're talking about that. Also, Michael Orr, remember him? He was in the NFL. There's a movie written about him called The Blind Side. And it's a movie that he's never seen. We'll tell you why he's never seen it. And also, why the blind side kind of blindsided him. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. A few years ago, Ron and I are working on Terrestrial Radio. A couple afternoon guys over at Cairo. And every once in a while, we would get a story about another foot that washed ashore somewhere in the Puget Sound, somewhere around Fox Island, typically. And people start calling the radio station. People start writing us, emailing us. Everybody had all kinds of theories. I thought it
1: was a serial killer. Yeah. was. it was... from Canada all the way down to Puget Sound. I was convinced, because Dexter was really big at the time. Yeah. And we kept seeing these stories over and over again. I was like, there, because Dexter, remember, would take the bodies uh, at the television show out into the ocean on his uh, his boat, which was called Slice of Life. And then he would wrap these body parts up in plastic, dump them over the side, and then he would come back to his Miami apartment. And so I thought, there's a Dexter... Impersonator, copycat, serial killer, taking these feet. Out into the middle of the of the Puget Sound or in the in the ocean and dumping them off of the slice of light bulb.
0: Yeah. So everybody had all kinds of theories. Ron had lots of theories, and for whatever reason, Ron just he's really intrigued by serial killers. I don't I don't think he loves them. I don't think that's fair to say, but he did
1: have a T shirt one time.
0: I love that Dexter that he, show, man, that he used to wear to the radio station. And said what did it say? Chainsaw for the people? Some,
1: something was a Dexter T shirt. That show until the last season was one of the best shows yeah ever and, then, made. and then it, I mean, it completely and, breaking bad then uh overtook it in terms of the yeah. ending but that's anyway so there's
0: out. been all kinds of theories and they're wondering if people jump from bridges do they commit suicide uh were there people for instance that were being smuggled into the country and something happened to them so anyway a group of researchers have gone to work over the past couple of years and they have finally figured out what they think has been happening concerning these feet, and most of these feet are found in tennis shoes. Uh, they've been trying to identify fifteen people, and they've been able to identify everyone, all but six different people. And Ron, I don't know if you dug in this article to find out exactly what's happening. I, I actually, actually didn't.
1: didn't. Actually, I'm anxious to hear the, the results. So, so let me tell you what it. Okay.
0: Well, before I tell you though, what, what, what do you think? Where do you weigh in here? Who I are these think people
1: from the back in the day? Because uh, I really got into this story, the prevailing theory was that these were uh, workers on ship shipping uh, boats that are coming from around the world and that either they capsized or you had some sort of wreckage at sea and if you were wearing specific types of running shoes that had buoyant uh, feet you know basically the the foot would be buoyant once the body the person was dead and started to decay and then uh, it would be sort of picked at and, and decompose under the water, these feet that were stuck inside the shoe would then float up to the top and be carried away once it was detached from the rest of the, the leg. That's what I remember being the prevailing theory. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah. So so
0: part of that is correct. Part of that is correct. Most of the people that they have identified so far, uh, there's one person who they believe jumped from a bridge and committed suicide. The other people that they've identified, for the most part, were beachcombers. And really? we're walking along the beach and huh. we're by themselves and we're solo and we're looking for specific things. And I know people that are beach They cars. have their
1: headphones on, so they're doing their metal detector.
0: Yeah. And so sometimes what happens is you fall between the rocks and the next thing you know, you get pulled out to sea. And what they did is they studied a lot of the curtains, uh, a lot of the currents. And so. A lot of people that get drug out to sea, what's interesting about the Puget Sound, there's there's certain parts where the easterlies blow, and it actually blows. It ends up blowing bodies. It can blow bodies back to sea. Now, here's what they found out that's interesting. A lot of times you think in in freshwater, when someone drowns in the lungs flood, that someone uh, typically typically will end up drowning and they're taken right to the bottom of the lake, which is true. the ocean. Yeah. No, no. I'm talking about a freshwater. I I was saying freshwater. Ocean is different. The ocean is different. About 69% of the time when somebody dies, even if their lungs are full, uh, and and they did this by throwing out pig carcasses into the ocean and also throwing out pig carcasses uh, into fresh uh, bodies of water, That's what these scientists did to study this. And what they found out in the ocean, it was different. A lot of times you would end up with what they call a bloater or you would end up with a floater. They say what's also interesting, some of the bodies, 30% of the time, when they would go right to the bottom of the ocean, they say in about four days uh, there would be lobsters that would come out, all kinds of creepy crustaceans that kind of freak me out. And they could take down a pig carcass in about four days. So you'd just be left with a the skeleton. They say the hard thing for these lobsters and, and other crustaceans is they really like the meaty part of the foot and the meaty part of joints. And what would happen with people that would pass away and end up floating to the bottom of the ocean? Then what would float back up? It would be the Nike air bladder or right, the, the foot or a version of the Nike air bladder. And as they studied these pig carcasses and as they put tennis shoes on some of that, what they found is a lot of these lobsters and other crustaceans, they had a hard time getting the foot. They would try getting the foot out of the tennis shoe. <laughs> oh, and the next thing you know, the tennis shoe would then float to the top. And then with the Easterlies, they then would be blown back. They would be blown, not out to sea, but they'd be blown back to shore, and that's one of the reasons why we found so many feet with tennis shoes that typically would be tied to the Nike air bladder, or Reebok also has a type of air bladder.
1: Do you remember the landmark study on the ocean currents that was completely accidental? I don't know why I remember this. There was a shipment coming from China to the United States years ago, and it was uh, several containers full of rubber ducks. Someone in America uh, had bought about like hundreds of thousands, a million uh, of these little yellow rubber ducks, that boat capsized, the containers fell off the ship cracked open, and they knew where the ship went down. And so over the next like year or two, these rubber ducks would start to uh, come ashore all over the world. And and scientists did this study where they started to find the frequency and the timeline of these rubber ducks coming to shore all around the world. And they were able to chart out because they knew where the Chinese boat sank. They were able to chart out ex- pretty exact the ocean currents going all the way around the world because obviously the closest land bodies would get a lot of rubber ducks and then they just kept popping up around the world all over the place Yeah, and it became a big news story. And so people knew when they found a rubber duck uh, in Portland to uh, submit it to this study. So the date the timestamp, the date when you found the rubber duck and uh, they were able to try, it was, it's fascinating. There's these charts of like where the ship went down and then where the rubber ducks ended up all uh, Tens of thousands of miles, these rubber ducks would travel. Yeah.
0: Anyway, if you get stuck out in the ocean somewhere, you don't want to go right to the bottom because those lobsters and crabs and everything, they're going to take you out in about four days. And then if you have your Nike Air Bruins on, those Bruins are just going to, they're going to flow right to the top. And if it's somewhere in Washington, probably end up with an Easterly pushing it right back to shore. On a on a serious note, it is important. I think a lot of times people go for long walks on the beach sometimes by themselves. And I think what happened to most of these people, you have to be very careful. And I don't know if you've ever done this. When, when I was younger in New Mexico, uh, we had a piece of property up by the San Juans, which is different than here in Washington. It was the San Juan River. And we would do a similar thing as kids where we would, when, when the water would come down and the snow would dissipate, and things weren't flooding and the streams would slow down, we would jump kind of from rock to rock to rock to rock. And a lot of times those rocks have so much algae, and water's been flowing over it. It'd be real real simple to slip. Of course. Hit your head, go down. And the next thing you know, nobody knows where you're at. And that's what they feel happened with the majority of these people. Uh, One, they feel committed suicide, but the rest of them just accidentally slipped. The ocean pulled them out, took them to the bottom of the ocean, those creepy crawly things went ahead and did whatever they do. And then boom, those shoes floated back up and then they got pushed back. I to did, I'm
1: just glad this makes me feel good that I'm not a weirdo because <laughs> some, some college somewhere had to allocate a lot of money to uh, people to do this study. Yeah. And so there were, this went uh, in front of border reviews. People had to write a proposal and they didn't get shushed out of the room. They're like, you know what? That's legit. We're going to give you your budget to go out and and see why these feet are showing up all across the Pacific Northwest. There you
0: go. Six people, though, they're still trying to identify. So how about that? Hey, uh, let's talk about some of the good things that have been happening as far as the pandemic goes. That's right. Good news concerning the pandemic. We'll talk about it on this. It's just like talking to a longtime friend. They are so fun, and they were so fun to work with.
1: When it comes to your real estate journey, you need an expert team and a playbook. The Ron and Don Playbook. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down.
0: I think the expertise provided by Ron and Don
1: is really something I haven't seen before. I've bought probably a half a dozen properties over my lifetime. So I was just so impressed at how all-in they were from the very beginning. They knew what we were going to need to do in order to get the house that I wanted. And they were absolutely committed to making that happen for me.
0: So responsive. And I would hear from them if they needed something for me immediately. If I called them, they would answer they were super responsive uh dawn was a bit of a magician being that like there was things that nobody knew the answers to it was uh, remarkable and i would get the call hey i was able to get the plans the plans that if we don't get we don't buy this house and i get the call and there's four boxes of plans it was amazing
1: the sale price was 55k over ask and that just blew us away. We were absolutely ecstatic. Thanks to their skill to negotiate, we are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. They were a
0: thousand percent instrumental in making this deal happen and making sure we closed on time and that i was able to get into my dream condo i'm just absolutely thrilled i mean
1: i knew that this was going to be hard to find and we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where i needed it to be at a price that i feel really good about so i could not be happier with my experience
0: i really felt like i could trust them they made some promises on some things mm-hmm. that, and they delivered on it with no questions mm-hmm. asked, you know, and they came through. I absolutely recommend Ron and Don for your real estate transactions, or just a cup of coffee and a sit down.
1: Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now at ronanddonsitdown.com. Here's my dad and his
0: boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 237. Don't forget, as you just heard, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need your buyer's book, your seller's book, they're books that Ron and I have written just for you, calling the playbooks. Uh, reach out to Ron, ron at We'll send you one today, and then we'll schedule a Ron and Don sit down. Also, check out that website, Ron and Don sit down. That's ronadon sit I've been watching Israel a lot because it seems like Israel, when it comes to COVID-19 and it comes to the spread and stopping the spread, they've done a very, very good job at stopping the spread early on in Israel. Uh, They had a spike, like we all had a spike, but they didn't have multiple spikes like other countries have had. And then when it came to the vaccine, the interesting thing about Israel, because every child has to be a soldier, right? Right. Uh, they have a lot of information about each and every citizen. And also, when it comes to their records, the records are very routinized. I was amazed a number of years ago when I was trying to help a friend who was a Marine who came back from Afghanistan. And he had PTSD. And I was trying to help him navigate just all the paperwork that he had to navigate, which is really hard to navigate when you have a brain injury. So we would sit there and navigate that together. I was trying to find him help and trying to find him services. I was amazed at all the stuff that he had to do with pencil and paper. He carried around a backpack. We called it his PTSD backpack, and it was just full of paperwork. Uh, and I thought when it came to the United States Marines or it came to the Army that I thought things would be much, much easier and more high-tech, and they really weren't. I hope a couple years later now that they are. It's gotten better. But, but I think we have learned – Through COVID-19, our lack of response, and now here you have many states that have these doses, but they're not getting these doses in arms. It's one of the reasons, finally, in Mississippi and some other states, they've said, you know what? Just if you want to get vaccinated, just come forward, and we're going to start vaccinating people. That's what they did in Israel, and they were doing a phenomenal job of getting people vaccinated, and they were galloping toward herd immunity for that country. And I was watching Israel because I really believe it's, it's, it's an example for the rest of the world. And now what's happened? Now what's happened? They have gone from providing hundreds of thousands of shots a day as they gallop toward herd immunity to just about 100,000 shots a day for the whole entire country. And just to give you an idea, here in Washington State, we do about 41,000 shots a day if we're going to compare it to Israel. Here's the issue that they're running into. In order to go out to a bar in Israel, to go to a restaurant, to be able to get on a plane and go travel, you have to have something called a green card. If you don't have this green card, then you are not invited to come into a bar. If you don't have the green card, which says that you have received the vaccine, you can't go and sit down in a restaurant. If you don't have that green card, there's a lot of things that other people can do that you can't do at this point. Now there's a line in the sand with the anti-vaxxers that are there in Israel, and they're saying, hey, I don't think it's right. I'm 23 years old. I think I have a great immune system. I'm not older. I don't have any underlying conditions. And you're not going to force me to take this vaccine in order for me to have my freedom to walk into a bar or walk into a restaurant. And what we're learning about these vaccines, if we don't get close to 80% of the people in our country, in their country, if they don't get vaccinated, then all these different variants that we're seeing right now, will have the propensity to take off before we hit herd immunity. So what they're doing in Israel right now in TV and radio campaigns and everything else is they're trying to get the rest of the herd to get vaccinated, and they're willing to bribe them to do that. So it's like, hey, you want lunch on us? Hey, you want a free dinner? Uh, hey, you want to hang out at Starbucks? Well, in order to do that, we'll pay for you to hang out at Starbucks, but you're half to going to get your vaccine. As I'm looking at states that have decided, you know what we're going to do? Is everyone just step forward and get vaccinated in a place like Mississippi? Mississippi has a very large population of African Americans. My friends that are African Americans are not lining up to get this vaccine. Uh, And some of them are some of my very good friends. And they tell me, hey, when you look at what this country did, Especially you look at the Tuskegee experiment. You look at what happened to Asians in this country uh, when they were in camps and the needles that went into their arms and the way that they were experimented upon, which really happened. And that was just a number of decades ago. A lot of them are saying, you know what? We're going to let the white people go first. You go ahead and get vaccinated. Let's see how that works out. And I'm not sticking a needle in my arm anytime soon. Ron, if they're not going to be able to get herd immunity done in Israel, how are we going to get that done here in the States?
1: That's, that's surprising to me that they're getting that much pushback because the the trust level uh, that Israelis have for their government is much higher than the trust level, the general trust level that you have of the United States and in our government. Uh, the other, The other stat I think that overlays on this story well is – 50% of, of men who claim to be hardcore Republicans are saying they don't want to get vaccinated. So the messaging that has been around this and the fake news element that has been around this and the, just the smear tactics against someone like Anthony Fauci among certain brands of media is, is hurting and killing Americans. And, and that's the thing that I keep going back to is like, is anyone going to be held to account uh, on the governmental level for the massive amounts of lives lost, unconceivable amounts of lives lost uh, out of negligence, out of out of misinformation, and out of saying stuff about vaccines that aren't true. When you go back and you read the history, look at the history of vaccines, yes, there are blights back in the day. But also, um, you know, you had some of the, the, when the first childhood vaccines were being developed, and it was all by one doctor, and he just sort of had a had a, a magical way that he would be able to tweak these vaccines. As he was testing them. He would go to like the Philadelphia um, Protestant Church organization and say, "Hey, we guys volunteer your uh, sons and daughters. We're doing a vaccine." And those people would step up and do that. Yes, take my six-year-old or my eight-year-old son or daughter. Uh, come on down to Sunday school class and inject them with an untested vaccine. Um, and, and it was trial and error. And so the, this, this vaccine that we have now are the ones that are rolling out in America now are not that style. It is not, uh, the trial and error style. It, the, the, the technology and the ability to, to do gene sequencing and to do things differently now in terms of rolling out a vaccine. I don't, I don't. Claim to understand the technicalities of it, but it is different. And
0: uh, it's a way that it's actually the way they attach themselves to a protein. So the vaccines that you're talking about early on, they would invade and end up destroying the cell. What these vaccines do now is they attach themselves to the cell, they don't destroy the cell, and then they start building herd immunity around that particular cell so these, va- these vaccines do function they do function very differently to your point
1: people do respond to incentives and i think if the government um, steps in and says you don't have to get vaccinated but you can't go to a restaurant or you can't go to a sporting event or you can't go uh, to all these things then I-, I think that that's fair and so you have to weigh that If you want to actually interact with society, then get vaccinated. If you don't, then don't. I I think that's a a reasonable thing because you can supply people with actual evidence. This is how many vaccines that we've put out. This is the death rate. This is the sick rate. And it's pretty close to zero right now.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that Dr. Anthony Fauci came out the other day and and the tables were turned. He, in a a very nice way, called out the president, the former president, just said, hey— If you would have taken a picture of you getting vaccinated, because he did get vaccinated under the cover of night before he left the White House, he did get vaccinated. And so did the first lady. That happened. That's a fact. And he said, why didn't you take a picture? Why weren't you part of the other presidents? Because the four former presidents, even Jimmy Carter, who can't speak anymore at this point, you see him on uh, this particular commercial that they created. Uh, getting a vaccine. You see Barack Obama, you see George W. Bush, you see Bill Clinton. You don't see Trump because Trump didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to be connected to it. And as a result, I agree with you. Uh, There are Americans that are going to die. We have to pay attention to these variants and we have to pay attention to what's happening in Israel right now. Because again, if Israel can't get it done, I wonder if we'll see a lot more states say, hey, we're just going to open the floodgates here, we're going to get as many people vaccinated as we can, and we're going to see if we can hit herd immunity before these variants really take off and, come and, and issue a problem. And, and there's
1: a strange thing that's going on right now, and there was a, a story in the Seattle Times on this. There are people that are actively going out, not wearing masks, trying to push the envelope. There's a woman in Texas that's now been arrested twice. She'll go into a bank and she'll not wear a mask. They'll ask her to wear a mask. And she'll say, this is a public place. Um, I am entitled to not wear a mask. I have a, an exception. And like, no, this is not a public place. This is a private business. Mm. And, and she uh, had to be taken to the ground and arrested. And you see, there's videos of this all over social media of this fundamental, it's an American thing. I have a right to do X. And it's like, Yeah, you have a right to not be vaccinated, but you don't have a right to go to a grocery store or a bank. Those are private places. And even though they're open to the public, they're allowed to have rules. Uh, you can't walk into a grocery store naked. They have rules that you have to wear clothing to come in there. Uh, when you, it's a publicly, it's a public place that's owned by a private business. And it's interesting to watch these people feel like they know the constitution when a police officer is arresting them.
0: Yeah. Do you do you agree with the green card in Israel? Do you think yeah, we should fine. Do, do something similar? Absolutely. There? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And
0: people that have gotten vaccinated, should they have freedoms that other people don't?
1: Yes. Yeah. Because they're trusting the science. Yeah.
0: All right. See you on this side of this.
1: If you have a friend that is ready to start their real estate journey, send them to com.
0: All right, you guys, welcome back. Final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for listening to episode 237. Michael Orr. You may not have heard of Michael Orr, but I I bet you heard of this movie and maybe even saw it a number of years ago. It's called The Blind Side. And if you don't know what the blind side is, when you watch quarterbacks play that are right-handed, if they're right-handed, like Russell Wilson is right-handed, there's a player on the left side called the left tackle. And that particular left tackle may be the most important person on the field because when Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks drops back, there's a lot he can see in his peripheral vision, but there's also a side that he can't see called the blind side. And so there's an offensive lineman. And again, if you're a left-handed quarterback and you drop back, then he would be on the right side. That would be where the blind side tackle would be. So, a very, very important person when you're a Seattle Seahawk, Big Walt Jones, he was the blindside tackle. That's why he's so celebrated. That's why he's so important. That's why they get paid a lot. Yeah, and the reason why the blindside tackle is so important is because that's where all the great linebackers have lined up over the years. So when you see a guy like Bobby Wagner come from out of nowhere and get a hit or someone like K.J. Wright, it's because... A very famous New York giant used to do that. Are you talking
1: about Mark Gastineau?
0: No, no, no. Oh, LT, LT Lawrence Taylor. That's right. Lawrence Taylor is the reason why the NFL had to invent the blindside tackle because he destroyed so many quarterbacks. Not only destroyed them, but not only did he, he take them out Joe of the Dizem's game, leg. but yeah, he, he their their careers were ended because they didn't have a blindside tackle. Anyway, they make a movie about this. Michael Orr was a kid going to school. He's a kid that and we also we we hear a lot of times, especially with African American kids, food insecurity. He had food insecurity. There's a lot of bad things going on at home. There was a family, a white family that adopted him. In particular, a mom of this white family got very involved in his life, helping him to get educated helping him to seek out a scholarship, helping him to find confidence, helping him to find- Played uh, by
1: Sandra Bullock in the in the movie. Yeah,
0: play football, and not only at the college level, but then at the pro level. What's interesting about Michael Orr, as a number of years ago when I read about him, he had never watched the movie The Blind Side. He'd never watched it before. And one of the reasons why he didn't want to watch it is because it would he, he felt like it would trigger him And he was concerned about his mental health. He is now at the age of 34. He is retired from the National Football League. And now he is speaking out about the trauma that he went through as a young man, the trauma that he went through with food insecurity, how that still revisits him every day, even though he's a multimillionaire now and has done really, really well for himself, invested his money. And he is saying to other players out there and to the rest of us, especially during COVID, when it comes to your mental health, you have to pay attention to that. It goes, in football, we're taught to, to watch our physical health, but not our mental health. And I think it's very interesting, Ron. Women, a lot of times, will talk about the importance of mental health. We are now seeing young men step forward because not a lot of guys our age and older embrace mental health. They get very, very... A lot of my friends, they get very, very uncomfortable with it if you start talking about mental health. What do you think about Michael Orr, the age of 34, coming forward now and saying, hey, when it comes to your mental health, don't let it blindside you. And he said, you know what? This is something that I've struggled with every day, but I am now seeking out therapy, and I am dealing with a younger version of myself that shows up in my brain a lot.
1: Yeah, I think I I applaud him for doing that. I I can't help but think how that movie would be made today. One of the other reasons I believe Michael Orr hasn't seen that movie, it's told from the perspective of the white family Mm. and it's, it it perpetuates this white savior narrative uh, that if, if there hadn't been this white family that swooped in and, and adopted him, then he wouldn't have been anything. He wouldn't have made it anywhere. Uh, And it takes away the power of what Michael Orr did. He's the guy that made the NFL. Hmm. He's the guy that overcame uh, being homeless as a a young man. He's the guy that overcame uh, an incredibly broken family. He was given an opportunity, but he's the one that worked hard and lifted all those weights and went to all the practices. And when you tell the story as, hey, Sandra Bullock is the hero of this story,
0: which, in, is, which, it, it, which if that's you, how the movie was. That filmed. Is, that's a great. I didn't even think of that. Instead such a great, of, point you're great
1: point. Michael's the hero of this movie. Yeah. And in some scenes in that movie, if I remember right, he's betrayed as this dopey. you know, uh, Goliath lumbering, uncoordinated beast almost. True, and uh, it's and Sandra Bullock is the hero and the driver and the protector of the story, and so I, w- I would love to see a retelling of that movie hmm. where Michael Orr is the hero, yeah, and that yes, there happens to be a Sandra Bullock character in the movie, and there happens to be a family that that recognized him and saw him and and assisted him, but that he's the hero and that he's the one. That you uh, that you root for. You're rooting for him, but he's the one where you recognize yeah. that uh, he's the one that did the work on this. Yeah. You know,
0: something that my son has taught me during COVID, uh, and the kids now we think are going to go back April 19th, and we can talk about that. He we we have a thing where we're, we're trying to move every day, and we're sitting in our studio right now, our Les Schwab Studios. It has a Peloton bike and some weights. You see some boxing gloves because now we do some boxing, and boy does he destroy! It. Have you boxed him yet? Not yet. Oh my! Just oh, my—he destroys me. Destroys Good. me. He should absolutely. Up destroy- on the old man, he'll destroy you too. Uh, We—he will walk the dog, Charlie. Some his dog sometimes to the corner, and it'll be like forty-seven degrees outside. He's in his shorts, t-shirt, flip-flops, and I'm like, "Hey, young man, don't you need a jacket when you go outside?" He goes, "No, daddy." He goes, "You know what?" He goes, "It's very refreshing." To walk out in the cold. He goes, I really like to walk out in the cold. It's refreshing to me. So he walks out in the cold and I said, well, what else do you like when you, when you walk out in the cold? He liked, he said, I like that it's silent. He said, my brain sometimes just needs to be silent. And I've been reading a lot about the power of science and silence when it comes to science. And there's a lot of good, I mean, G-Force O'Neill is onto something. There's a lot of good information about our brain health that's connected to our heart health. When we take the time to really shut off screens, not even read books, and and just spend some time just giving our brains a break. And sometimes he will sit here starting homework early at 7 o'clock in the morning. He doesn't get done until 5 o'clock at night. And so he has learned at the age of 10 to just give himself a brain break and to walk out in the cold air to allow that to be refreshing and to say, I'm not going to sit in front of a screen right now. I don't have to do anything. I'm just walking with my dog and I'm enjoying the silence of it. So I find myself now driving around in the car and I think of what he taught me. And like today, I had to go to, to Everett because we just sold a home up there way over. We're really pumped about that, you guys. But driving back, I just kind of unplugged my phone, and I turned off the radio, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to open the windows. I'm going to enjoy the cold air, because it's refreshing. And I'm going to sit here and just be silent as I drive. And there is power in that, you guys. It's so good for your brain. It's so good for your brain health. And I'm so proud of Michael Orr at the age of 34, Just step forward and say, guys, you know what? It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to admit that you're weak in specific parts of your life.
1: And it's never too late. I have a a good friend who went to his first therapist. He's in his mid-80s. That's awesome. And he went for the first time, and he thanked me. He's like, thanks for encouraging me to see a counselor. He's like, I've been carrying this stuff around for decades. So, yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by and listening to episode 237. We really appreciate you. If you need to get in touch with us, just write Ron, ron at com, and we can schedule a Ron and Don sit down virtually, and then uh, we can come out, and see you. Socially distance, grab a cup of coffee, and uh, see you where life is taking you in your real estate journey. Okay. Ron at com. the website is ronandonsitdown.com, and that tells you more about us and what we do and what our process is. Yes. All right. He's Ron. I'm Don. My son's about to take us out.
1: Can I do the uh, only? Before
0: he does that, <laughs> you're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only.
1: Only. Oh, come on. You got. You got to step over my only. My only's not good enough. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only.
0: Only. <laughs> on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs> that.